are you planning for the future? Are you managing remote teams successfully? Well, my resident expert, Graham from Border Buddy, joined me last week to talk about how they juggle it all. Tune in to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 29 to find out how they do it and how you can do it too. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am excited to report that August was one of the show's best months ever and September is on track to beat it. So thank you everyone for listening and for helping make that happen. We've got a lot to get through on this episode, so let's get right into Listener's Corner. The question of the week comes from Ryan. What are your tips, suggestions for people entering supply chain as a career change? Now we had so many, so many great advice being sent in. Uh, We also had a great conversation happening on LinkedIn as well as Instagram. So this is actually going to be a two-part listener's corner between this episode and the next episode. So Johan from Mule Chain, he says, if starting with the last question, I would recommend you have a certification as a ticket to the interview. Not necessarily the most prestigious one, but something that fills that requirement on the resume. What I would like to see in new staff is an understanding of the supply chain. Most roles are more communication and less crunching numbers and be able to speak production language as well as sales and marketing lingo with the right people would be very interesting. The rest of these comments, I am cutting them short, will be at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash listener dash corner, I believe under question four. Brian Glick, he is from chain.io, he says, definitely join CSCMP and utilize both the training and networking resources. Supply Chain is a wonderfully open community, but you have to make the effort to get out and meet in person. Few people from Instagram, Reina, it would be useful to start as import-export specialist or customer service representative to get familiar with paperwork customs regulations. Teju says, get a mentor, be convinced that's the career that you want to pursue and put your heart into it. Learn, learn, learn as much as you can. Prashet says, learn about functional business, process like procure to pay, order to cash, record to report, and financial planning, as well as demand forecasting and inventory optimization. 
And also RJ says, or RG says, The Goal by Eliahu Goldratt. Easy to read and the first book that a supply chain manager must read. One last one is AN. In supply chain, no two days are the same. There will be a different curveball thrown every day and you will learn to deal with complex operational bottlenecks and people issues as you go. So again, the rest of that advice will be on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash listeners dash corner as well as in the next episode because we ha- we got so much great advice when we put that question out. So today is my Woman in Supply Chain series part 10 and I was recently reached out to by Hulk who wanted, they are passionate about diversity and who wanted to sponsor one of my Women in Supply Chain series. So here is a little bit about why they are sponsoring this episode and who they are. The supply chain industry is growing dynamically and yet women still only fill 15% of top level supply chain positions. Hulft believes that gender equality and diversity is critical of an inclusive workforce. We're committed to making a difference where we can. So a little bit about them. Hulft provides a single global platform that allows IT to find, secure, transform, and move information at scale. Hulft's seasoned data logistics consultants uncover hidden pain points, automate tedious manual operations, and streamline data flow worldwide. For 25 years, Hulft has helped more than 10,000 customers automate, orchestrate, and accelerate their global data logistics, making it easier on IT and putting data to work for the enterprise. Learn more at H-U-L-F-T-I-N-C.com. Go and check them out. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. So our woman leader for the show today is Irina Roska. Irina and I met at a supply chain event a few years back and have stayed in touch, supported one another, and Irina is definitely a, a thought leader to look out for. I am so excited to introduce you to her. So Irina is a results-oriented leader, with a strong history of successful operational stewardship, driving global supply chain strategy and implementing best of breed solutions. In her current role, Irina leads the end-to-end supply chain operation for a prominent sports engineering and innovation brand in San Diego, California. Irina has over 15 years of experience supporting global organizations with efforts to design streamline supply chain processes, optimize global inventory and logistics, and generate increased visibility within complex complex networks. Irina is the president of the San Diego Transportation Club and sits on the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce Catalyst Advisory Board. She holds an MBA from Brandles University and BA from Cleveland State University. Irina is currently the Senior Director of Global Supply Chain Operations at Skills. So welcome to the show, Irina. Thank you, Sarah. I'm super excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, and I'm really excited for the opportunity. Yeah, I have been looking forward to this chat for a long time, and I'm really happy that you could join me, but thanks so much for listening to the show anyways. So let's get started with your journey. Um, You know, I talk to a lot of women, and it's really interesting to find out, you know, what your journey is all about. How did you get started? What does your path, what has that really looked like? And where are you now? 
Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'd say I'd have, I've had a pretty interesting path. Originally, I thought that I would go into um, psychology, which is starkly different from where I am today. Um, I'll say that I am very passionate. Chess is one of my favorite games to play. And so supply chain just happened to be um, it, it's like playing chess every day. And so um, I started in logistics um, in 2006, um, just working in uh, customer operations. And it was actually in the wine industry, which was absolutely fascinating. And it really got me to understanding, you know, the third tier distribution system in the United States and a lot of um, the laws that kind of regulate that marketplace. Um, today, I work um, for a sporting goods industry in San Diego, California. I am a senior um, director of global supply chain operations. So I actually oversee um, everything that has to do with global supply chain. We work with over 54 different factories across um, Southeast Asia, and we distribute globally um, in an omni-channel, mar- in omni-channel marketplaces. So we, we you know, work with e-commerce, we work with um, Amazon, obviously, um, big box retail, and then very large distributors around the world. My path to getting here um, was pretty interesting. I started in logistics, um, and then I kind of transitioned over to more of an operational roles, systems implementation, um, which is something that I'm very passionate about. I believe that growing organizations um, need to utilize, you know, systems data and then, you know, be more forward looking about um, the supply chain, their strategy, and really how does the supply chain business unit, how can that be used as a strategic business unit within um, growing organizations? I think that there has been a lag in understanding um, how their companies can create competitive advantage through supply chain. And so that continues to make me excited um, about new developments in the field daily. That's awesome. And I love that you, you know, um, uh, say supply chain is kind of like chess, you know, it's kind of like playing a game of chess. And I love that because there's so much strategy in both that it is such a good analogy. And it's interesting. I had the supply chain queen on a couple of episodes ago and she started in wine and spirits as well. Yeah, it's a fun industry to be a part of. It, I would love to go back to it. I actually, um, you know, have been looking at kind of what it takes to um, get, you know, the U.S. marketplace um, more involved and aware of, you know, being in, in, in San Diego, we're very close to Mexico. Mexico makes some great wines. And so I've been teetering on potentially um, doing something, you know, a small business with that. It is so fascinating. But then again, just going back to that third-tier distribution um, requirements in the United States, there is um, there's a lot of complexity there. So, uh, but, but, but definitely super fun. Yeah, and a lot of compliance, I would imagine. So you just mentioned uh, system implementation being a passion of yours. So why are you so passionate about uh, supply chain? I mean, I can hear it in your voice. You and I have known each other for a couple of years. And uh, you definitely, definitely have the passion for supply supply chain. So talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, so I think that, in my opinion, and in in the numerous organizations that I've been a part of, really in the, uh, like I said, in the wine and spirits industry, I've worked in food supply chains, um, textiles, and now I'm in consumer packaged goods. Everything that I've noticed really from smaller organizations, one of the main constraints for systems implementation and therefore for being prepared 
to really provide that the consumer with the customer service that they um, that the that the the company is expecting or have set themselves as a KPI and that the customer has um, grown to expect. Um, so the, the constraint for smaller organizations is funding. And the constraint for larger organizations is that they have systems that are in place, but they are antiquated and are certainly unable and, and definitely holding the company back from moving forward. And so I'll, I'll give you a very clear example of something that I'm currently going through right now in terms of systems implementation, um, you know, working in the sporting goods industry, and I don't know how much you know about kind of the U.S. market, but um, we've seen a lot of um, large players in the marketplace um, closed it, close their doors over the past couple of years. And you can imagine kind of what that does, A, to our top line revenue expectations, but, but B, also to our bottom line, because, you know, sports chalet, sport, um, sports authority have closed their doors. And so now what's happening is the marketplace is constrained. We have smaller or a smaller number of retailers who carry our product. And those, those retailers believe that they have the upper hand because they really are the gateway of us getting our product to our customer. And so what we are seeing now and the initiatives that we're taking is, okay, how do we to kind of bypass this constraint that some of the big, the last remaining big box retailers have placed on the marketplace? And how do we, you know, take our brand back and really make sure that we interact with that end consumer? And obviously to do this, we have to have a well-developed and robust supply chain network, but also the systems to support that customer interaction. And so, um, you know, just really looking at our ERP system and our logistics, our TMS system and our, our shipping information and the way that that interacts with the front end system, um, that the, our e-commerce, that the customer, you know, goes and tries to place their order on and they want to have, you know, shipping information, cost information, days in transit information immediately because that is the standard, the industry standard that has been set. I don't want to say, you know, just by Amazon, but really by most of the retail that operate in an e-commerce marketplace these days. And if it, what we're seeing now is, okay, well, we not only do we have to diversify our supply chain network and really get closer to that, um, to the customers, because we operate out of Carlsbad, California, which is very far away from a lot of where, um, you know, the U.S. population resides, which most of it is aggregated on the East Coast and the Midwest states. Um, so our systems are so... Um, and I don't want to say antiquated, but just not prepared for the return of solid data in real time. And, and that's a very isolated example, right? Even when we look on the global supply chain um, the roadmap, we're, we're seeing, you know, that there, there are very huge limitations for um, vendors like us, for OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, to have visibility into what is really happening at the at the bottom of the pyramid. Um, what's happening with our raw material suppliers? You know, we have a lot of um, we, we use aluminum, we use steel, we use rubber, we use cotton. Um, I mean, and, and even corrugate in our in a lot of our products. And so, if we don't know what is going on all the way at the bottom of the pyramid and where that product is coming from, and we don't quantify every single risk um, throughout that supply chain, then we have no ability to really say, okay, marketing, you can run a promotion because when you run that promotion, then that customer, when they place that order, then we can guarantee it 
beginning to end that they will receive that product and the customer service will be 100% seamless. And that constraint is fully driven by systems. Absolutely. And you brought it up, you brought up a couple of really good points there. And I think that one of them to mention is, you know, who is your customer? You're dealing in omni-channel. So you would assume that you have many different customers from retailers to end consumer, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, your true customer is that end consumer, regardless of how you sell the product to them. And that's how the mindset and things need to start changing about who you're actually selling to, because then everybody in the supply chain, and if you are, you know, selling into a retailer, you can work with them a lot better and provide them with the data that they need to make more sales as well. Absolutely. No, I fully agree with you. And I think that um, it is a, a, it's something that has hurt a lot of organizations when they don't necessarily understand exactly what you said, that the customer is always the end consumer. And um, our company has really been undergoing this um, change in, in, in thought, and it's driven a lot of our future investments and a lot of our future plans. So when I first joined Skills um, in 2015, the company had grown organically and had grown mainly based on um, big box demand. And, you know, more than 95% of our revenue was coming from Amazon for the Dick Sporting Goods, from Academy, for um, Sports Chalet, Big Five. So the really, really big players, um, I mean, and that includes Walmart, Target, um, that has significantly shifted. And it's shifted because internally we accepted that the best customer service for us should not be to Amazon. It should be to whoever is purchasing that product from Amazon. So because we are the brand and we own the messaging and we own, you know, the, the satisfaction of the, the customer when they touch, when they open our box and when they use our product and the pride that they take in the fact that they have, you know, our brand in their backyard or on the field when, when, you know, when they're playing their favorite sport, that means a lot to us. And so, um, it, you know, it, it requires a completely different mentality and therefore, you know, just it, it requires different data analytics and different you know, going back to the systems, different systems to support that type of interaction. Um, and it, it were, I am hoping as a supply chain professional that, um, that that mentality continues to change. And I fully believe that when that does change, then most businesses will start to consider supply chain as a strategic business unit as a, and, and as a competitive advantage, because regardless of how you're getting that product into the hand of the customer, supply chain plays a huge role in ensuring that that customer is fully satisfied with the product that you're offering them. Yeah. And data plays a huge role as well. I mean, you made a good comment about sports authority you know, and how it affected your business, how it affected the industry. So when we're all, you know, playing together and we're all giving each other the information that we need, we can all win together. And I think that is the message 
um, a very important message that you're sort of driving home with the fact that, you know, that is where supply chain comes in. That's where the data analytics comes in. You know, let's, let's really focus on those and make sure that we're not playing the blame game anymore. Let's make sure that we're all working together because we're all going to win at that point as well. So really, really great example. Let's get a little bit back into your journey. So what challenges have you faced as maybe a woman leader um, in supply chain as a part of your journey? Um, So I think that I definitely made a few decisions in my career that have helped me, um, you know, grow in professionally, um, a little bit faster than, um, maybe expected by, 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 by the market. Um, and so I actually decided very early that I would go back and, um, uh, finish my MBA, an MBA program, just because I really want, and I think that that is so important, especially when working in supply chain and operations, um, the supply chain business unit touches every and, and affects or, or impacts every single other business unit in the organization. And if you do not understand, you know, as a leader in that position, if you do not understand the impact, the challenges and the opportunities that you can provide and it, it, to other business units in the organization, then that is detrimental to your success and to the business's success. Um, so I would say that one of the best decisions that I made was to, um, complete my master's degree. Um, and, and prior to that, I encountered, um, a few limitations just because, and, and I wouldn't say necessarily from, um, the company, it's from the positions that I was in, but really the limitations were on my end because I didn't have a really a, a full picture of my role and the levers that I could pull, um, to really, to enact change. Um, I, I, I guess I would say that primarily what I've found to be challenging um, in some of the positions that I've had in, this, in the industry at large is the fact that um, I am a little bit younger and so um, I'm in, and I'm in, in higher leadership positions and that seems to be a little bit unexpected. Um, but aside from that, it's, it's, it's an, I, I am so excited about what I do and I am so passionate about what I do that um, I found that most people kind of tend, you know, um, get excited with me. So that's been pretty great. That's awesome. Really, really good. That's, and that's really, really good advice too, because a lot of people wonder whether you do, you know, necessarily need an MBA and, um, you know, what organizations to join and different things like that. So let's talk about mentorship. Did you have any great mentors and how did they help you? Can you tell us a bit of a story about how you got connected and how you stay connected to some of your mentors? Yes, absolutely. I think that mentorship is one of the most important things in professional development at large. And I would urge any um, young professional to not limit the, their, their mentors um, to the field that they are looking to grow into. Um, so I'll give you an example of how um, you know I've received mentorship from somebody in my field and then uh, from others outside of my field. Um, so I actually joined um, the Council for Supply Chain Management Professionals um, early on in my career. I have been a member with them since 2010, um, and you know I was a student member. Then I became a young professional member, and um, I've you know I've 
I, I believe that they offer a plethora of resources and they're just a great organization um, with a really good support group. Um, and so I, I would recommend that to anybody. Um, in 2015, they actually started a brand new program for young professionals where, um, and it was a mentorship program. And so um, I immediately signed up for that. I strongly believe in you know, taking advantage of all of the resources that type, these types of groups put forth. And if they are taking the time to, um, you know, come up with this and put it together and gather those mature professionals who would want to interact with young professionals, then, um, you know, you should do it. Um, so, so I did. Um, and I, uh, was put in touch with, um, a, um, the retired executive at, um, Welch's food group, um, who has become a friend and has been a mentor ever since. And I have, you know, he, um, I, I speak to him about everything professional and he has a lot, a lot of feedback and a lot of really good examples because he's, you know, lived and breathed this exact thing for, you know, over 40 years. And so, um, just even when I am looking at making small changes within, um, you know, within a project or even larger things when I'm looking to restructure my team or leadership questions, um, I, I know that I have a really good sounding board, um, in, in him. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's very important because he, knows the industry and he understands exactly what I'm speaking to. Aside from that, I've actually found that others who are not, um, you know, within the supply chain or really e even in business are equally good mentors when it comes to, um, when you want to be a leader, you want to understand all facets of problems and really try to empathize with all those who are in your team. And so I also believe that working with, um, you know, with people who might be scientists or, um, you know, doctors or anything like that, just because the, the mentality and the thinking is so different for other teams that it actually challenges you to take a step back and think about the decision or, or the way that you reacted to something, um, and say, okay, well, maybe I am coming at this problem really from a very business or very logical, you know, operations driven, perspective when I, you know, maybe my, my humanity wasn't necessarily working at full speed. Um, and so I, I definitely utilize other mentors from outside my field for that. Um, I, I'm a member of the San Diego regional, um, chamber of commerce. And so I meet a lot of people through that medium as well. And, um, they're, you know, they're from all walks of life. They're from all types of businesses. So I guess my, my advice to really any young professional or, or even mature professional who is looking to um, have a mentor or become part of a larger group is do it. Um, there are so many opportunities locally, regionally, and, you know, as um, I mentioned, um, CSCMP and APEX, um, th those are global organizations. And, you know, there's, there, there are people ready to help and willing to offer advice anytime. And so I think that taking advantage of that is absolutely key. 
Absolutely. And you made a couple of good points again. Um, They don't have to always be in the same field. Because if you're talking to somebody that's in the same field, you may not necessarily get the outside picture or, you know, a, a new perspective or something that can really, you know, even help you propel in, you know, some of the things that you're working on, whether it's a project or, or different things like that. And I want to mention, you know, I think it's really important for people to know that it is out there. So depending on what you're looking for, you need to be very upfront and open and honest about what you're looking for. Like, for example, I'm on the board of directors at FIT. And one of the reasons why I joined that board of directors is because I said to them from the very beginning, I am looking for a board of directors that I can join and that I can grow with. I want people that are on the board of directors that are willing to work with me and teach me. And they have done exactly that. They have been absolutely amazing for me and they have helped in my personal growth. And so I just want to make sure that we're encouraging others to really make it known what you're looking for so that you get the most out of, you know, those opportunities. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that that's a, that's a fantastic point and, and fit is a great group. I've, um, you know, I've, I've written a few different articles for them and I follow um, their interactions on, um, on Twitter. And I've obviously uh, participated in a few different Twitter chats. And I just think that they pass along such great information. So of course, um, you know, that the board of directors would be composed of um, stellar professionals like yourself. So that's super exciting. But um, I think that what's also um, in my opinion, what I've seen is, and even in, in business school and really in, in, in any types of walks of life, you, you, you keep hearing this topic of, you know, network, 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 but, but what does that really mean? I think that we actually as professionals need to redefine that. And so there are different types of networking. And exactly like you said, you have to be upfront with the group that you're joining with the mentor tour, who you are asking for, you know, for help with, but even with yourself, it's like, why are you doing this? Um, and if you really have a very clear, you know, set of goals as to what, why, why you're doing something, then I think to your point, um, you will get exactly what, what, what you're planning out of it, but, but it also requires a commitment on your end as well. Absolutely. So if you're going to go and network, um, and any of these industry events or, you know, any events, even like the chamber of commerce, have a goal in mind, you know, you know, who do you want to speak to? Take a look and see who's going to be there um, so that you can spend your time, um, you know, doing the things that you want to be doing. And that's going to help you further your career because that's going to be different for, for everybody. So just keep that in mind. So we talked a little bit about the current project that you're working on. What I want to know is how it's changed your perspective on the future of supply chain. And just so our listeners know, you and I are going to be speaking at the uh, FDRA conference coming up in October. And we're going to be talking about this very subject because it's extremely important. I I believe for retailers to have a good understanding of what that looks like, or at least have an idea of what they want their future in logistics and supply chain to look like. So let's talk a little bit about that and what we're going to be talking about in October. You know, how did that project change your perspective on the future? Yeah, so um, it, it, it definitely changed my perspective on, on a few different things. So um, just on, at a very high level Um, Our project had a lot to do with, again, 
how do we as skills better service our end consumer? How do we get closer to them? And of course, it was um, cost driven as well. And so, like I mentioned before, we're located in um, San Diego, California, and we, um, you know, our product variation and our revenue density per product varies significantly. So when we're looking at the fact that we ship most of our products for our e-commerce um customers all the way to the east coast of the United States. We have, you know, very large soccer goals. So in trying to compete with the um, expectations of the different marketplaces and the customers today, you know, two-day shipping and not passing that cost onto the customer, it became cost prohibitive for us to um, continue to operate everything out of um San Diego. So because of that, and as I mentioned before, we work with over 54 different factories um, with for finished goods in um, Southeast Asia, but that means that we have well over 100 to 150 different sub-suppliers depending on seasons and depending on the type of product that we're talking about. And so um, in trying to really look at what does our domestic network need to be like to achieve the goals of managing costs while continuing to provide the customer with the best customer service so that our brand grows with the end consumer, we needed to understand, okay, how do we then work closer to our with our suppliers to make sure that now we can pivot that business model from where you know, everything was consolidated in, you know, at different ports in Southeast Asia and transported to Carlsbad, to Carlsbad, California, to now we need to ensure that there is a very thorough optimization review that goes on that, that, that allows part of the inventory to go to this different location. And as I mentioned, there is a lot of seasonality in our products and there is a lot of variability in the product foot, footprint that we work with. And so I think that one of the main things that this has taught me is a, the importance of data and the importance of data management, data integrity. And then you made a really good point earlier about, um, you know, real partnership within the supply chain. And a few years ago, um, I actually, I wrote an article about supplier relationship management, which is something that I feel very strongly about. Um, we have a very bad tendency of blaming, uh, just pushing blame, you know, down into the supply chain, which is not fair because we don't provide our suppliers. And, and, and by we, I don't just mean skills. I mean, this is an industry trend. We do not provide our suppliers with fair and clear and real-time information for them to minimize the risk in their supply chain. And so we continue to push risk down to what I keep calling the bottom of the pyramid, but it's really just the raw materials or the sub-suppliers that are most important. And so if we are not fair with with, with our immediate suppliers, then, then that fairness does not trickle down. And so somebody has to, at some point, take the overall risk. Um, and so what I've learned is that we definitely need to do a better job with that so that, you know, I can't point the finger and say, you know, as an industry or as a um, supply chain profession, we don't do well. I, c- I can be a leader and set, um, you know, that expectation internally and set new, um, you know, processes with my team and therefore, you know, be more collaborative and try to, um, you know, lessen the risk by actually sitting, sitting everyone at the table and making sure that 
we're looking at one truth when we look at the data. Um, and and I, I'm, I hope that that is the future of supply chain. I hope what, be, what is now a system that is used in one organization will become a system that others within that supply chain also have access to. And that whether that be an online dashboard or um, just just far more interactive than what we're seeing right now. Um, the, the ongoing emails and attachments and Excel spreadsheets and everything, those aren't going away anytime soon. But we need to think differently about the way that we communicate um, you know, with, with everybody across the supply chain. So like I said, that includes raw materials, sub suppliers, finished good suppliers, um, you know, transportation companies. I'm sure that you are well aware of the constraints that we are placing right now on all of the ocean carriers. And especially because everybody is trying to bring in product, um, you know, for the load in for a retail holiday, but also because of all of the constraints that are being placed on the market by the tariffs. And so everybody is scrambling, which is not fair. We, and it, it's, it's not fair financially. And it's just, it, it, it doesn't do anything good for business partnerships and relationships. And it definitely does not help that end consumer. So I am hopeful that for, for a few things, I'm hopeful that Supply chain professionals lead their businesses in the future to start thinking about, okay, starting from the end consumer, how do we plan our business? And then they can take that information and relay it back down to all the suppliers and the vendors within the supply chain so that everybody is aligned to one truth, one goal at once. That's awesome. And the data sharing is extremely important because if you're finding out what, you know, the suppliers are needing or your customers are needing the information that needs to go, you know, to be able to make everybody successful, you know, that's going to be a key driver and a key indicator for everybody to be able to work together. But I guess my quick question for you is, you know, is that blockchain then? You know, I've been looking at a lot of the blockchain um, technologies that are out there, and I think that it's a little bit limited. And the reason I'm saying that is because right now we're saying blockchain, but really when the blockchain technology that currently exists, instead of dropping a um, an attachment in an email, you're just taking that attachment and dropping it in a on a cloud server. That's really all you're doing. The data interpretation and the, the the predictive and prescriptive analytics of what should come out of that data that you're sharing does not yet exist in a robust enough manner to make it user friendly for it to be accepted. Nor is it, um, it is it affordable for all businesses to take advantage of it. So I think that you make a great point. I think that blockchain is certainly a step in the right direction. We need to think beyond that to understand, okay, so this, these are, you know, these are the building blocks of blockchain. Um, you know, the data cannot be erased. Once you put it in there, it's there, but the algorithms need to be smart enough to interpret that information in a way that is useful. And again, in a way that is the single point of truth for everybody looking at that piece of information. I like that. You've said that a couple of times. The single point of truth for everybody. 
That is great. I really like that. Sorry, I'm just taking some notes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you've already given us a little bit of advice uh, for people looking to make a career change into supply chain or just starting out. you have anything else sort of to share with them um, as some advice from some of your journey and what you've been through? I would say supply chain is a ever-changing field. So keep studying, um, keep keep reading. Like I'll give you an example. Yesterday I went to a conference um, that was a marketing and sales conference for um, Amazon retailers. Um, so whether or, or, or Amazon sellers or or vendors. So whether you are a vendor central or a seller central um, seller on Amazon, that's really what it was for. But it was very marketing and sales driven. So it really had nothing to do with supply chain. But I attended the the entire conference because for me as a supply chain leader, I need to know what sales and marketing are thinking of and how they're thinking about that and what strategically um, they're planning so that I can speak to my team in a way so I can translate those plans in a way that supply chain understands. Um, I think in my opinion, that has been one of the things that have helped me the most. And I attend, I attend webinars, I attend events, um, where these types of topics are not in any way relate. I did not hear supply chain logistics, planning inventory at all yesterday. But what I did hear were marketing dollars, ad dollars, AMS spend, um, you know, promotions, all of, you know, those types of things, which are again, in no way directly related to supply chain, but, we are the business unit that have to has to support that success. Um, so I strongly believe that to become a successful leader in supply chain, you must immerse yourself in all other facets of business, and you have to understand and listen and read other portions and plans of the business. Well, absolutely. And if you're in supply chain, more than likely you have, you know, a bit of strategy or a strategic mind. And when you're at conferences like that, I don't know about you, but I find myself thinking about how I can better work with those departments. Now that I better understand what they're looking at and where their mindset is coming from and, you know, where they're thinking is coming from, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about supply chain, but I can also provide them with information or help or even sit down with them and strategize on how we can do it better. No, absolutely. I I completely understand. And when you speak their language, you, you, first of all, you have an ally, right? When you, when I sit down with my Amazon team and I can speak to them about their a spent um, and I understand exactly what that means, which is how much money are they spending in terms of AdWords and everything else to make that sale on Amazon. And I really understand that that number goes into the total cost of sale and therefore the margin analysis that they are being held to for that marketplace. When I, when I can speak to that, then I have an ally on that team. So we now are working towards a common goal rather than if I did not know anything about that, then they would be pushing their goals, you know, their agenda on to my team. And I would push back just because we have, everybody has, you know, resource constraints. Um, and that's just a natural thing to do. Like I have my plans, I have my goals, I have my projects, and I don't necessarily see this new add on as a priority. Well, 
now it's not the same thing because I fully understand why this is being brought to the table. And I would actually take that, take a step back and take the time to reprioritize if possible. And so, um, no, I, I, I fully agree. I think that when you can speak the language of whomever it is that you're sitting at the table with and you really understand their point of view, it goes back to that empathy. Um, you, 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 you know what it is that, that that is that is important to them, and therefore it becomes a true negotiation rather than just a battle. Absolutely, I love that. Okay, so we are winding down this interview. I don't want to say goodbye yet, but what's next for Irina? Um, well, if my um, new potential wine business does not work out, then um, I guess we'll see. But I, I, I think that I. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about that. I so I like I said I've been traveling to um, Mexico a lot lately, and um, I've tried a lot of their foods, and I did not know that they are a huge maker of olive oil as well. Um, so Via de Guadalupe makes olive oil. They make a lot of wine, and it's delicious. And so I'm actually hoping that I can um, start something small and see if the U.S. market is interested in um, in. And some of those goodies, and also if uh, I am ready to um, to start something on my own. Awesome, awesome. Well, good luck, and we will be definitely watching you. So, another powerhouse woman in supply chain. I hope you learned and enjoyed listening to Irina's journey, her advice, and the amazing contributions she is making in the industry. Irina and I again will be speaking about the future of logistics at the upcoming FDRA supply chain show in Long Beach. So, stay tuned for some highlights from that. Make sure to connect with Irina on LinkedIn. I will have all the details at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 30. Thank you, Irina, for being a thought leader in the community and for coming on the show today. Thank you, Sarah. And I will be seeing you in Los Angeles in just a couple of weeks. Awesome. If you liked this episode, be sure to go back and listen to the other nine women in supply chain interviews. You will hear from Ellen Bois. She is the founder of Woman in Trucking. Stacy, the founder of Woman in Logistics. Heather from Uber and Bindia, founder of Brazil Inc. Plus many, many more. Industry leaders are doing amazing things in the community, and that's what I'm highlighting in this Woman in Supply Chain series. So next week is an episode you will want to mark on your calendars. Tim Pajak, he is the former director of global communications and marketing at MOL Liner. He is here with a case study of building a brand that highlights service levels over pricing. If you aren't sure what to do in your marketing efforts, you need this this episode. So here are some ways that you can support the show. Number one, with my supply chain dictionary. If you go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop, you will find my 107 page all acronym, all supply chain definitions dictionary. So go and get that today. As well, go to ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com. I know I've been talking about this for a long time, but we are really, really close to getting started and letting everybody know what we are working on. And you want to be one of the first people that know what we're working on. I can guarantee that. So go there and sign up. Number three, you know, listener's corner. Send me your supply chain questions. Send me your supply chain stories. I want to make sure that this 
show is for the supply chain professionals, for the shippers, for the logistics providers. Let's help each other. Let's you know, give our, our advice. I will send your questions over to the experts that have been on the show and I will get you the answers that you're looking for. So send me your questions to listener at letstalksupplychain.com. And number four, in order for other people to find the show, please go and rate the review and rate and review the show on iTunes. I would be so grateful and I know everybody else will too when they're able to find um, the show. So thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in once again. Have an amazing day and remember everybody, ship happens. <laughs>